we started a series last week called Words, and I just want to give you a little recap. We talked last week about the purpose of words. One of the things we brought out was that words reveal our hearts, and that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And many times you can tell what kind of fuels in the tank by what kind of words come out of the mouth. And uh, you probably have said some things that you regret saying, but you, you said that because that was what was in your heart. And so we, if we have a pure heart, if we have good hearts, if our hearts have been washed by the blood of the lamb and we keep them clean, then out of that mouth comes good things. And so we talked about these words. We talked about how the words have creative power, that when God chose to create the world, he didn't use his fists, he didn't wave a magical wand, but he chose words, didn't he? He said, let there be light, and immediately there was this ball up in the sky and fire um, bulging from this thing called the sun and stars flung up into their places, and it all happened because he spoke them into existence. And so we see that words have creative power. And then we talked last week as well about the fact that words have a season and that there are seasons or times of words to be spoken or a word for that season that we're in. Pastor Rick had brought up to us at the staff a week or so ago about how wind turbines um, are built to be way up into the air because there's a different kind of air that high up than what's down here that we experience and that, the, that, that we need to catch what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in a sense and, and bring it to the earth. And there's a season and the, the, the word that you have this season is important to you, for you to know. What is God saying to you or to your family or to your personal life at this moment? It, it could be the word renew. It could be the word awaken. It could be the word refresh. It could be the word peace. It could be the word patience. It could be uh, the word accelerate. What is the word that God is speaking to you in this hour? Because God is constantly speaking if you will listen. And so God wants to speak and tell you what season you're in. And so last week, we asked you at the end of the service, if you would join with us and take this challenge and to go one week without complaining. How many, many remember that, that challenge? Raise your hand. Uh, let, me, let me ask, how, how, how many successfully pulled that one off? I want to see your hand. Come on. Okay, okay, come on. Okay, let me ask you, how many did better this past week than you did weeks before? Raise your hand. Okay, that's good. There you go. I had several texts coming Monday morning. I did, we didn't even make it into the week very far. I, I had one text said, I have one complaint, and that is I can't complain. I had another text saying, of all the stupid messages, he didn't say stupid, but all the crazy messages you could have preached Monday morning, is, this, has been the, this has been the most challenging morning I've ever had in my work History, it seems like I've so many things, so many things, and he didn't know how really how to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, how do you how do you talk about things that are going on without complaining? With by not complaining, it's hard to talk about. But anyway, it was a, it's been a fun week, and I I hope that you have experienced this um, this new freedom that you can actually live your life without complaining. 
Some of y'all don't want to, you don't want that kind of life. Some of you just like complaining. You're like, I don't want to stop complaining. It's fun. The young man, he went to the monastery. He wanted to be a priest. He said, I'm going to be a priest. So he, che- he checked himself into this particular monastery. It was, it was, a, it was the order of silence. And, and, and they were known for being, uh, you know, quiet. And, and when, he, when he went to sign up to enroll in this monastery, they said, well, there's only two, there's only one rule we have, and, and that is you can't talk. And, and, but here's the, the, the deal. You, after 10 years, you are allowed to speak. But you can only speak two words, just two words. And uh, so you need to be spending 10 years of your life thinking about those two words because those are important words. He goes, all right, I'm up for the challenge. And so he went 10 long years not saying anything, just quiet, quiet, quiet. Finally, he was called into the head of the monastery and brought into his office. The head of the monastery said, well, you've, you've done well this past 10 years. I just now want to talk to you for just a second, ask you to give me the two words that you know, you, it's been pressed upon your heart after 10 years of just silence with you and God. What would you like to say? He said, food, bad. I said, okay, well, uh, thank you very much. and God bless, and we'll see you in 10 years. So he went another 10 years not, not saying anything. Finally, after 10 years, came back and presented himself to the head of the monastery and he said, well, what would you like to say after 10 years? He said, bed, hard. Okay, well, thank you very much. And he out to the office, he went, and 10 more years went by, and called back in, and head of the monastery said, well, it's now been 30 years. What would you like to say? What are your two words that you would like to speak today? And he said, I quit. And the head of the monastery said, well, you might as well. You've been complaining ever since you've been here to begin with. (laughs) How many know it doesn't do any good to complain? I want to talk to you this morning for just a few moments about the potential of words. The potential of words. The one thing the enemy wants, I believe, is my words. Because he understands the potential that my words have. He understands the creativity that can be birthed from my words. He understands that when my imagination hooks up with my mouth and my words, then reality can begin to take place. Some of you have experienced what words can do in your home. Some have probably lived in a home, raised in a home where it was hell in your home because of the words that were spoken. But here's the good news. You can actually, with your words, create heaven in your home. It doesn't have to be hell. It can actually be heaven with your words. So I want to give you just quickly a list of a few things that I believe words can do in your life. What can words do? Number one, words can activate life. We have to look no further than Ezekiel as the Spirit of the Lord in a vision shows him a valley of dry bones. Many are familiar with that beautiful passage of Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord comes to him and shows him dry bones, a valley, just bone after bones after bones. And and the Spirit of the Lord whispers into his heart and says, can these bones live? And and Ezekiel says, well, I, I don't know. Only you know, God. And so the Lord tells him, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to speak to these bones. 
And so he begins to prophesy and speak over these bones. It says the last verse, verse 7, I think it is, so I, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying or speaking words, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone upon bone. I want to tell you this morning that dead things will remain dead until you begin to speak words of life. Oh, can I just say that one more time? Dead things will remain dead until you begin to speak words of life. Turn to your neighbor, t touch him on the shoulder and tell him, you need to talk a little different. Come on, you just gotta talk a little different. Oh, Pastor, my, my marriage is dead. My, my health is dead. My, everything's dead around me. Well, probably because you have not used your words. You haven't spoken to the things that need to be spoken to. In fact, fact, it says in Proverbs 18, 21, that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In the King James, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Once you realize the power of words, you will start using them, and nothing will ever look dead to you again. Nothing will ever look dead to you again. People will say, oh, it looks like that's a dead end right there. Oh, well, well, unless you use your words, it probably is. You have to use words to bring life into something that looks dead. It will continue to remain dead until you say something. So the enemy wants to come and he wants to cause you just to just not to talk, not to say anything, not, not to voice life, not to voice creativity, not to voice faith, not to voice the heart of God or hope. He wants you to voice complaining and griping and negativity and all the bad things that are going on around you. Just keep talking, talking, talking because the more you talk the negative stuff, the more death comes, the more bones you're throwing onto the pile. But somebody's gonna walk up and talk to those bones one day and say, dead bones, you're gonna come to life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can stand there and just feel sorry for yourself or you can speak. Don't expect everyone around you to feel sorry for you because you had something negative, bad happen to you. Just rise up and speak. Don't sit there and whine and gripe and complain. And you know, I got a bobo, I fell, I, I, I want everybody to come and just coddle you. Get up. My wife, she was a coach, and she, she was tough on our kids, man. And, and uh, they would come off the, the court with you know, some kind of banged up thing. And she goes, she goes are, are you injured or are you hurt? Because if you're injured, we'll take care. We'll take you to the doctor. But if you're just hurt, get back into the ball game. That's my wife right there. Just, that's my wife right there. That's <laughs> I don't complain around my house. No, sir. Life was in the bones all the time. That's what we have to learn from this passage in Ezekiel. Life was there all the time. All the, all the bones were lacking were some words to be spoken over them. And once the words were spoken, then the Spirit of the Lord sweeps in and begins to be activated because you spoke the words. Cry over the dead bones all day long or speak to the dead bones and cause them to come to life. 
Give God something to work with, somebody. Just give God something to work with. I can cause things to die even prematurely by speaking death and death and negativity and complaining over things. I'll never forget. Have you ever gotten a phone call and you'll never forget that phone call the rest of your life? I remember we were living in Boston and I got a phone call, didn't recognize the number, picked it up. Pastor JP, yeah, this is David Hope from Mississippi. Remember me? David! Of course I remembered you, man. David David and his brother Chris, and they had an older brother. Well, I had met David's older brother somehow and invited him to come to our youth group when I was a youth pastor there in Mississippi. And when I went to pick him up, because he couldn't drive and didn't have a car. So I picked him up and he introduced me to his little brother. His little brother came. and Then the next week his oldest sister came and then I started going every Sunday and picking up the mother and the whole family. And, and they lived on the, the, the bad side of town. They lived in a, 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 a tore down, almost tore down house. It was, it was, it was just poverty upon poverty. They, they didn't have many things at all or much clothes. And it was just a hard situation. And, and, but I would spend my time, whenever I start feeling sorry for myself, uh, I would just go pick up David and Chris because they were always there at their house just hanging out. I'd go pick them up, take them to the park, go play ball with them, do something and hang out. And over time, I became, in a sense, their mentor. In their eyes, I didn't know it, I became their father. And so I remember after several years being there, I, I, I was going to move. And so I took him and we spent some time together at a park and played the, play ball. And then I sat him down and said, look guys, I hate to say this and this is breaking my heart, but I, I'm, I'm going to have to move. I'm moving away. And you'd have thought I had just, just told him the world was about to end. And tears start coming down their cheeks. And Chris said, J.P., you can't, Pastor J.P., you can't go. David said, you're our dad. I said, no, I'm not your dad. We don't have a dad. You're the closest thing we've ever had to a dad. You can't go. What's going to happen to us? We'll, we'll stay in touch. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll just stay in touch the best we can. And, 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 and that's true. They didn't have a dad. They didn't, I don't even know if they knew who their dad was. But one of the things that always, I would always do when I was with them, I was always Tell them God has his hand on you and God has purpose for your life. And there's a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. And you don't want to miss it. And I was constantly saying that all the time to them. I moved away. We lost touch. David, the younger one, finds me. I'm in Boston. He, I somehow gets my phone number. Pastor JP, I had to call and just talk to you. Yeah, What's this catch up? What's, what's been going on? Well, listen, you know, after you left, uh, you know, we, 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 we hung in there for a while with, you know, the church and God and stuff. It was just, you know, things happened. And the next thing you know, my brother was in, got in jail. He's, he's all messed up. I, I ended up in jail. And, and I was in jail, and I'd been in there several times. And, and said, J, Pastor JP, I just felt like, I would always be in jail. And I was just, just, 
I was just, I'm just telling you what he was saying. He said, he said, I was just being like everybody else in the jail. I had no hope. I had no dreams. I had no desires. I was sitting in my cell. This is what blessed me. I was sitting in my cell, and this thought came to me. It was a memory of you. I said, what was that? He said, the thought was, if JP could believe in you, why can't you believe in you? If JP could believe in you, why can't you believe in you? So he said, I made a decision right there. I don't know if I am important or have purpose or God has his hand on me or not. But for JP's sake, I'm going to try to get a GED while I'm in jail. And so he signed up for the GED and got his GED. He stayed with it. He got out of jail and said, you know what, I... I'm going to do something with my life. And so he signed up for the military and got in the military. And while he's in there, he said, you know what? I, I, I'm going to just take a dare. JP believes in me. I, I, obviously, God believes in me. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to try college. And so he signed up for a college while he was in the military and ended up getting a degree. Got a degree. He said, Pastor JP, I just had to call you and tell you I have a degree I work for a computer company, and I am married, and I have two kids. And all I can say is thank you for speaking words into my life. Do you understand that you can make dead bones live by your words? That you can speak with your words, and they come to life. Number two, words can create a path forward. We all know this passage of Scripture. We'll read it in just a minute out of Mark chapter 11 about Jesus challenging us to talk to a mountain. But what's interesting about the context of this whole conversation was that he was with his disciples. This is about the last week of Jesus' life. He, he's leaving from Bethany to going into Jerusalem for this last week. And as he's going, getting up early, going in, we leading his disciples into Jerusalem. He's hungry, goes up to a fig tree. Let me show you a fig tree. Walks up to a fig tree full of, the Bible says, full of greenery. It's all green. It's all just, just luscious. And he walks up and he starts looking for figs. He cannot find a fig. There's a fig. He can't find one. He's just looking for one of these little green. The, the Bible says it wasn't yet ripe for the figs yet. However, just because something's ripe doesn't mean that it doesn't have a fig, right? It just needs a little bit more time. He couldn't find anything. And so the Bible tells us that he starts talking to this tree. Now, can you imagine the disciples over in the corner going, hey, Peter, uh, I think he's losing it. I mean, he's over there talking to a fig tree. What is he saying? I heard some word about like he's like cursing the thing. What? No, he's, he's over there cursing the tree. Look, look. And there's over, you can see Jesus. And they're like, man, he, we need help. He, he's, he's losing. He's, he's about to crack. They, they go rescue him from the fig tree. He says to the fig tree, he says, I curse this tree, 
And from this point on, no one will ever eat fruit from this tree again. And they go, okay, whatever, Jesus, come on, let's go to Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem. As soon as he gets into the temple, he sees what's going on. There's money changers, everything. And so he's like, goes crazy, he's flipping over tables, yelling, screaming, get out, this is my house, I prayer. And they're going, he's losing it, he's losing it, he's losing it. Our Messiah is losing his mind. They go back to Bethany that night. They get up the next morning to go back to Jerusalem. I imagine the disciples are like, what's going to happen today? Our Messiah is losing his mind. They go by the fig tree and Peter goes, oh, look at the tree. What about the tree? The tree that he had cursed, which had been green. Go back to the, uh, the picture before, which had been blossoming green, was now withered. And it was, the message Bible says it was a stick in the ground, withered from the root up. It was no longer green, no longer luscious, no longer nothing. It was never to be eaten from, it was dead. And they're looking at him going. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say, but believes what they say, but believes what they say, I'll try you up there, but believes what they say, oh, come on, come on, come on, give me some love here, but believes what they say, but believes what they say, it will be done for them. Why would anyone want a mountain moved? Why, why would he go from a fig tree being dead to talking about mountains being moved? Because the reason the fig tree is dead to begin with is because he spoke words. And when you speak words, things happen. And he's trying to communicate to them. There was other messages about the Jewish religion, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of symbolism in the background. But one of the great points is when you speak, things happen. So he turns it from a fig tree going barren to now you facing mountains in your life. And if you look at the mountain, here's what a mountain does. A mountain keeps you from going forward. I mean, can you imagine you walk up and there's a big cliff and sheer rocks everywhere? It's ominous. It's, it's, it's too big. It's, it's grand. It's, it's too large. Yes, Lord. Yes. It's rain. Did you think it would not rain today? I'm preaching. It rains when I preach. <laughs> One day you're going to learn to bring umbrellas to this place. I'm telling you. I don't know what it is, but something happens. I have more power than the weathermen around here. <laughs> I'm playing with. But mountains will keep you from moving forward. They will keep you from fulfilling your purpose. And what Jesus is trying to say is, you've got progress to make, and there's things standing in your way, but here's, here's the good news, guys. If you'll just speak to the mountain, if you'll speak to the obstacle, if you'll speak the thing that, that's keeping you from going forward, I'm telling you, I will work with you and work with those words. I will pick that obstacle up, and I'll throw it into the sea where you don't even see it anymore, and you'll move forward but you got to speak. Do we have anybody in this room that can speak this morning? 
but can you speak by faith? Can you declare the thing that is not as though it is? Anybody can do this. Oh, man, looks like things are really bad. Oh, looks like that's a dead-end job. Looks like my marriage is over. Looks like my kid's going to you know, ever be lost forever. Anybody can do that kind of stuff. But it takes a man and a woman of faith to rise up and go, I see the mountain. It's not like I'm ignorant here. But I declare with my words uh, that what I see will be no longer. There will be a point in my life uh, where that thing is gone. And I'm going to move on forward into my promised land. How do you use your words? Caleb told Joshua, he goes, look. I helped you get this promised land. We've battled together. We've whipped up all these enemies and everything. But I told you all along, there was one thing I wanted. I only wanted one thing, and that was that mountain right over there. And Joshua said, okay, but Caleb, you're 80 years old now. That was then. You're 80 now. He goes, I don't care if I'm 80. I don't care if I'm 120. The fact is, I feel like I'm 40. That mountain's mine, and I'm going to do with that mountain what I want to do with that mountain. Let me have my mountain. I, I think words are powerful. I, I, I have a friend of mine who was told by his father growing up, these parents, this is why your words are so important. His father would told him, tell him, you are dumb as a rock. You're dumb as a rock. Boy, he would say to his son growing up, you better learn how to work with your hands because you sure can't work with your mind. I, how in the world do I have anybody as stupid and as dumb as you? He would say that to his son. His son would bring home the grade card and would hate to hear what his dad was about to say because his grades were always D's and C's. His father would look at the grade card, uh-huh, that's what, that figures, par for the course, you're just dumb, and hand it back to him. And he graduated from high school True story. Got out of his house of his parents, started getting into the Word of God and started seeing that God literally created him the way he was and, and that God doesn't create junk and that he has purpose. And there was something in his heart that said, I, I want to be more than that. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if God would help me and, and, and I could really go to college and pursue a degree. So with fear and intrepidation, he signed up for a college and, and he enrolled and he was scared and he went through that first semester and he got his grade card and, or his, he got his grades and, and he, all A's, all A's. And it dawned on him that he had been trapped by his father's words. For 18 years, he had been trapped by words that had been spoken over his life. He goes, that's it. I'm not dumb. I'm actually intelligent. I just needed to apply myself. I never even wanted to apply myself because I was always told I was dumb. And he went on and got his degree and he even got a master's degree. Can I tell you that words will move you forward? And parents, you better be careful what you say over your kids. And some of you right here may be where you're at and you would say, well, I'm here because my mom and my dad said this about me and blah, blah, blah. And you, listen, I'm declaring right now today, you can't blame mom and dad no more. 
They're off the hook because now you create your own purpose and destiny with your own words. I thought there'd be a bigger amen than that, but that's okay. Number three, we're almost done. Number three, words defeat the devil. Revelations 12, 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Many people fall to Satan's schemes and temptations simply because they do not speak. They just bounce around like a... The, the, the picture I get in my mind when I read this is, is, is a, a guy boxing. And you've never seen those guys, like Muhammad Ali would do this from time to time. He would just put his hands down or he'd just put his gloves up like this and he would get in the corner and just let the guy wail on him. And some, a couple times that almost backfired on him, but, but, but he just let the, the opponent just hit on him. And many times I think Christians are like that. They, they, they just, they're like in a corner and they got their gloves up and they're just like, Doing, the enemy's just doing this to him, just gut hits and side hits and ribs, you know, in the face, in the stomach, in the ribs, and face, stomach, and, and they're just, uh, 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 and we go through life. Uh, 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 uh. And the coach is going, get out of the corner. Get away. Jesus would be saying, throw a punch. Say a word. Speak in the name of Jesus. Satan, I take authority over you. This will no longer be who I am. I am greater than that. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm more than a conqueror in the name of Jesus. I promise you, this will be the last time you mess with me. I'm throwing a punch and you're going out, baby. Jesus was tempted in every way you were and are. You know what he did? He didn't go, oh, Satan, please. I can't do this much longer. No. If you are the son of God, I know you're hungry. Turn this stone into bread. Man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know who you're dealing with? You're dealing with the Son of God. Well, if you really are the Son of God, then I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. All you have to do is just look at them, just take an ass for them. And, and he says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Uh, okay, just, he takes him to the high building, jump off and let the angels catch you so everybody knows that you're a special person. And he goes, are you kidding me? No, do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's why I don't jump out of airplanes. And do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the Bible says the enemy left him for a season. You only walk into the house of God with a big old black eye, arm in a sling, barely making it sitting in your seat. Lift up your hands unto the Lord. Been beat up all week. And the only reason you've been beat up is because you don't use this right here. Your words have life and they carry death. Aren't you glad you came this morning? 
I'm glad you came. I, I, I want to tell you something that just happened before the service started. It's the power of words. My, my dear sister, you, I, I want to ask you all, would you mind, my, my sister, we talked to you this morning, would you stand up? I forgot your name. You know I'm talking about. The, yes, ma'am. Colin, yes, ma'am. Stand up for just a second. Yes, there you go. I want to show you something, the power of words. Came in. It wasn't very long ago. She said, Pastor, she said, I, I've been diagnosed with colon cancer. And they're going to go in and they're going to take as much out of it as they can. But they haven't given me much hope. I said, we're going to pray right now. And we grabbed our hands together right there where you were sitting. And we prayed, Father, in the name of Jesus. Here's what we said. We declare when those surgeons go in to that surgery, there will be no cancer. The cancer will be gone in Jesus' name. It was before the service even started. We had the countdown music going. You know, it's a pumping music going on. Boom, 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 boom. In Jesus' name. We're just praying a little prayer. No angels, no, no, no trumpets, nothing. Just in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And this morning, I'm greeting them. And she goes, we got to just tell you something. Went and had surgery. Opened me up. And they couldn't find any cancer. You know right? You know right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. No cancer. He couldn't believe it. He called the oncologist, and, he, the, and the oncologist was somebody else. He came running from his office up to the surgeon room. They still kept her open and looked in two surgeons, and they're both looking at the, the, you know, the, the past reports and all the diagnosis and looking at her, and they're both scratching their head, and they said, in all of our history, we've never seen anything like this, nothing. It was there. We know it was there. It's gone. And after they closed her up, they said, hey, what was, how, we don't know what to say. And she goes, I know what to say. We had a prayer in the Bible's two or more gathered together, agreeing, touching any one thing. It shall be done in the earth. And that's what happened. I, I just wonder, sweetheart, if we would even be having you in the service. If there had not been words of faith spoken. I wonder how many miracles we don't see because we don't speak words of faith. We, when the doctor says things to us, we just act like that's God. Can I remind you that they practice medicine? But we have a great physician? And he's still doing miracles today? Worship team, you can come. Number four, talking about words. What can words do? Words can change a situation. You don't use words to just describe situations. You use words to change situations. Oh, I agree. It's natural to look at a situation and to see all the impossibilities. It is so easy to do and so, and so easy to go to. But however possibilities begin once I start speaking words. It's wrong to speak the problem if I'm not going to speak the promise. Let me say it again. It's wrong to speak about the problem if I'm not going to speak about the promise. 
It's better to use words to change a situation than it is to use your words to describe a situation. We have a dear lady in our church, Jennifer Spruill, and in fact, she teaches the journey class, the first, second, third Sundays of every month, except for this Sunday. We'll start the first one next Sunday. And um, what I love about Jennifer is I've known her for years. But that woman has never, ever come to me with a problem. And yet we've talked about problems quite often. But I've never even heard the word come out of her mouth. This is how she talks to you. Pastor, we have an amazing opportunity in front of us. It took me a while to realize that when she used the word opportunity, she actually, in my vernacular, was saying problem. I would say problem, but she would say opportunity. We have this amazing opportunity. I said, what's the opportunity? Well, this you lay out the situation, and she goes, but here, I've prayed about, thought about it, and here's the incredible opportunity that we have to take this thing that's been given us that's a little, you know, Maybe it could be negative in some ways, but to make it positive. This thing's going to work. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be wonderful. This is not an impossibility. This is a possibility. And you know what? I love being around Jennifer. I love hanging out. I like, I like whenever we engage in conversation because I know that there's always an opportunity around the corner with her. When people talk to you or when you come into the room, do people run from you or do they run to you? And if you notice that people like vacate the area when you walk into the room, it might do be because of this right here. Because you constantly are speaking about things that everybody else knows exists. But why don't you speak about the things that don't as though they do? Hmm. I mean, we're, we're coming in July 4th holidays and I, I run into so many Christians that have just, I mean, even though we just a week and a half ago celebrated this incredible 49-year prayer, answer to prayer, seen uh, Roe versus Wade overturned in half of our country, and what an incredible, I still hear, even since then, oh, our country is just going down here. I don't know what's wrong with this generation. I just, I, I, I just can't, I just can't, I just don't know. I, I'm like, oh, I just, it takes everything within me to just compose myself and to say, not to say, stop talking unless you're going to talk with faith. We know we have issues. We know there are situations. But we also have an opportunity. It does, and Patrick said it great wisdom. It, listen, does not the word is they where sin abounds Come on, church. Grace abounds much more. So you want to talk about how bad things are? I'm going to talk about how much grace was coming our way. Yeah, have, you read, have you seen the news? Have you been reading, reading the paper? Have you seen blah, blah, blah? Oh, man, the economy, the, the, this, this, the housing, and all those supplies, the chain, and the president, and all those. And, and hey, can, you, can I tell you, grace is coming 
in all of its glory. There's gonna be an awakening crossing our nation like we've never seen in our lifetime. We're gonna see thousands by thousands come to Jesus. Uh, we're gonna see miracles upon miracles. We're gonna see signs and wonders following them that believe this is the greatest day to be alive. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Wouldn't miss it for the world. My Lord. Let me just stay standing. Stay, that's, that's great. Thank you. For those that are not standing, stand, please. <laughs> but don't leave because it's probably raining. We're going to sing a hymn. It's an older song in just a minute. But I got to say, can I just remind you of this? That you are one sentence away from changing your destiny. One sentence away. You're one sentence away from being married. Will you marry me? Yes. And suddenly everything changes. You're one sentence away from being divorced. You're one sentence away from getting that job you've wanted so long. And you're also one sentence away from being fired. You're one sentence away from doors being flung wide open. God's waiting to see what's gonna come out of your mouth. God challenged Joel, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. He said, listen, you need to speak the right kind of words here. You need to say things like, let the weak say, I am strong. You need to say things like, let the poor say, I am rich. How can you say you're rich when you're poor? How can you say you're strong when you're weak? With this, you just say it. It's not really hard. It's not really that hard. Can we all sing this old song together? And can we just love on the Lord? because he's so good and he just wants to use our words this morning. Can we all declare it together? Come on. You know the song? Come on, let's all sing together.
close your eyes. Somebody may be here this morning, I'm sure there's more than one, that you've never allowed tongue to come under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why is because you've never invited him to take over your life. You've never asked him to come into your heart. It all starts in your heart. Whoever sits on the throne of your heart declares what comes out of your mouth and eventually what comes into your future. So this morning, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I think today I'm ready to turn my life over to him to make him the Lord of my life. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna pray for you just right where you're sitting. I want you to raise your hand really high and let me see that hand. Pastor, today I wanna know Jesus, yes. See that hand and that hand on my far right? Come on up in the back, yes, in the back, yes. Come on, anybody else on my left? Yes, sir, I see that. Anybody else? I'm inviting Jesus into my heart real high. That hand, I'm not ashamed. Yes, I see those two hands, thank you ladies. Yes, sir, yes, sir, praise the Lord. Come on, God's doing something here. God's doing some amazing things here. Come on, he's pulling on your chain. This is the day, this is the hour. Man, he's gonna take over. So I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. And let, let me tell you something, this is the most serious prayer you've ever prayed in your life. This, this prayer is a prayer of surrender, where you're literally telling the Lord with your own words and own mouth, I'm no longer in charge. I'm turning everything over to you and I'm beginning a relationship with you. If you raise your hand out loud, I want you to say this one. In fact, I'm gonna ask everyone to repeat after me these words. Would you say it with me? Lord Jesus, I humbly come to you this morning and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. From this moment on, I will follow only you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus a thanks for those people that raised their hand? Welcome, brother. Welcome, sister. Now listen up. Listen real quickly. We, for those that raised their hands, we have Bible, free Bible we're going to give you. Right out there in the lobby, a little table. We're gonna give you some information, some stuff that you should probably read about your new walk with the Lord. We're gonna have our prayer teams come up here and they're gonna be ready to pray for you about anything, but I'm gonna pray for everybody else in the house before we leave. The last week we gave you the challenge not to complain for one week and many of you stepped up to the challenge. So this week, here it is, you ready? I will not criticize. That means your president, that means your government, that means your neighbor, your spouse, your boss. You're not gonna criticize, but instead you're gonna speak words of life. I was talking with a lady this morning before service and she said, you know, it's been a fun week I told my husband, I was getting ready to complain. She goes, you know what, you are the greatest husband I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it changes everything. It changes everything. If you here this morning, I want to allow the Lord to make room for his purposes for you. I want you to raise your hands right where you're at. Just kind of do this, just like a sign of surrender. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you that you're taking our tongues and you're using them as weapons. And Lord God, we thank you that you're taking the fruit of our lips, 
and bringing honor to the, to the King of all kings. Our words are not gonna be filled with death anymore, but we're gonna speak to the dry bones. We're gonna speak life, Lord Jesus. We're gonna begin to declare those things that aren't as though they are. We wanna just tell you, Father, thank you for taking ownership of our tongue. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name, amen.